Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. And here we are. Welcome once again to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, Bunker to France across the table. That's where I am. And Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. That's where he is. Hello, gentlemen. Howdy and howdy. So and good howdy. to be with you both today. Yes, indeed. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful Arizona day. Nice sunshine, oh, yeah. warming up, and I guarantee it's going to get colder. <laughs> yeah. And we got rain and snow coming. Yeah. Eventually. Well, you know. Yeah. So there you go. That's, Welcome to the Midwest. We we call <laughs> we call it winter sometimes. Yeah. It generally, it's generally between January first and third. Yeah. Right? Well, but you know, this a little it's extended this year. winter. Um. Our guest is, by the way, it is Movie Saturday, and uh, our guest is best-selling writer, editor, screenwriter, mentor, marketing, and media consultant. That's a lot of things there. Jack of all trades, he, master he must, of... He must not be able to hold down a job. Um, Skip Press is our guest. We will get to him in just a moment, but you've got some housekeeping, Bunker. Yes, I do. I like doing birthdays, and this is a special list for me today. I want to start with January 25, 1945. A young fellow named Gregory Sierra brought into the world. I worked with him on several things, on high chaparral, pocket money, petrocelli, gun smoke. Uh, he was uh, he was on Welcome Back, Carter. You'd recognize him if you saw him, a fine, fine uh, Puerto Rican character actor. Uh, the second fellow I got here, uh, born on January 26, 1925, young blue-eyed gentleman named Paul Newman. Worked with him on The Outrage. That was the first thing I ever worked on. Uh, Ombre, Pocket Money, Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. Those were all shot in the Tucson area. On the 27th in 1969, Bridget Fonda was uh, brought into this old orb. Uh, she did one Western that I know of for sure. That was South of Heaven, West of Hell in 2000 that was shot out at Moscow and in the area. On the 28th, uh, January 28th, and this is for you, Harry. All right. 1671. Mm. Henry Morgan. Hey. Privateer, plantation owner. Lieutenant Governor of Jamaica, and known for his excursion into Panama. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just took it over, he that's did. all. Uh, <laughs> and then moving on over to the 29th, 1945, a young fellow named Tom Selleck. He did Lancer. That was his first his first TV job. Uh-huh. And uh, then he did the Sackets here in Tucson, quickly Down Under, which is one of the greatest, I think, Westerns ever done. Mm-hmm. And then he did Ruby, Jean, and Joe down here at the Empire Ranch. Now, the 30th, that's next to the last You, for, you forgot month. another movie of uh, Tom Selleck. I, I, I could have done a dozen. Well, I know. But oh, well, go ahead. Do, do, but Monty Walsh, for God's sake. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, Todd's dad did Monty <laughs> Walsh. And that was done here, too. What's wrong with me? You know what? Oh, no, wait a minute. That, that was the one that was done up in out. Uh, up in Calgary, the one with Tom Selleck. His Monty Walsh was in 2003. Oh, okay. That was the, he, you know, he was just a squirt. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Gee, Harry, you got me confused. Well, that's easy to do. It's not hard at all. <laughs> and then on the 30th of this month, that's coming up, born in 1930, which would make him 90 years old, uh, Gene Hackman came into this world. Mm. Uh, he did a he did a fine, fine show called Zandy's Bride back in 1974. 
very much overlooked and very underrated, but exceptional. Um, he did the unforgetted, unforgetted, <laughs> unforgiven. Uh, it was also Geronimo, an American legend, with some mm-hmm. shot here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And then he did The Quick and the Dead, shot in Moscow, a very underrated picture, mm-hmm. which grows on you the more you watch it. And then my favorite birthday for the end of the month is Olive Golden, or known as Olive oh, Carey, the, the wife of Harry Carey and the mother of Harry Carey Jr. Uh, she started out in tests of the storm tree country. She did two things before that in 1914. She met Harry on a night of the range. That was her first film with him. Uh, she continued on. She did the Vanishing Legion in uh, 1931. From 16 to 31, she took a break to raise Junior, mm-hmm. and she came back uh, roaring. She did Vanishing Legion, which was a serial, which is near and dear to all of us. She did The Searchers, Gunfight at the OK Corral here in Tucson, Night Passages with Jimmy Stewart, The Alamo with John Wayne, two rode together with Stewart and Stewart and uh, Redmark. And in her last job, and this is the one she's probably the most noted for, mm-hmm. Billy the Kid versus Dracula. <laughs> She played the doctor in it, and she was the best actor, actress in the whole darn movie, and she was good. Well, and, uh, she was. I also saw her credit in uh, one of the westerns on Pluto that we watched. Oh, it might have been. Um, this is Steve McQueen one. Uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, might she have been did that almost one. all of the TV episodes mm-hmm. westerns. Yeah. She just also this week uh, in 1848, uh, gold was discovered at Sutter's Mill. Jeepers, I wonder if there's any around here. I, I doubt it. No. No. I got some in my teeth. Well, that don't count. Uh, we, <laughs> we're going to smelt your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> don't, just don't smelt the other end. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all right, let's get to our guest right now. Skip Press in California. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. Oh, I'm great. I'm uh, thrilled to be talking to you guys about all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I've known Todd for a long time, but uh, we don't get to talk cowboys enough. All right. Well, that's you what we're going to do. do. You never do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about talk about uh, how you got to where you are right now uh, as a screenwriter, mentor, and all the other titles that you um, hold there. Well, I, uh, I, you know, I grew up in Texas, and somebody asked me how how I got out here once and I told him strong winds <laughs> Tum- tumbling weeds <laughs> you know I think it was inevitable man I I, I grew up uh, idolizing Roy and Dale and Gene and Pat and Gabby Hayes and all those guys uh, and then all the Warner Brothers uh, western TV shows remember those from the 60s oh, yeah. Or just- yeah believable one after another so it was inevitable that i come out here uh it was a weird way that i came out here uh i answered an ad uh for a writer in this little uh, odd newspaper and uh and they and i called him on the phone and i said i don't really have any credits but i think i'm good and they said you're hired <laughs> hey confidence <laughs> So I came out here on a bus. I didn't even have a car, and and uh, it was uh, turned out that this what I thought was an advertising agency was an arm of the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center. Uh-oh. So I ended up 
doing that and I ended up I ended up writing business letters for them you uh-huh. know corresponding and stuff and then I when I got out of that I happened to know a bunch of people who were in pretty good positions in Hollywood uh, one of them was the secretary to Jack Gillardi at International Creative Management ah. mm-hmm. who sure, was the uh, vice Mar- chairman of ICM yeah, that's it. And he was married to Annette Funicello, which is even more impressive. Ooh, and yeah. uh, and then uh, jokes. Herb, yeah, that's and, what we uh, call her jokes. <laughs> oh yeah, her her uh, her buddy across the hall. Uh, this girl who's the secretary to Jack. Her name is Jackie Loria. Across the hall, her friend uh, was secretary to Sue Mingers. You know who was the biggest. Oh. You know, she had Barbara Streisand and all these people. So those those girls uh, liked the story of mine so much that they quit their jobs and tried to produce it. <laughs> Bring them down with you. Oh, God, the dumbest move ever. And to, to uh, negotiate the contract, they offered me $25 for an option, right? And I thought, hey, that's not a lot of money. And I... You know, and I and, and I, I had uh, gotten lucky, and I uh, answered an ad in the L.A. Times, got on a game show called Knockout, mm-hmm. which was on NBC, mm-hmm. and I won fourteen thousand dollars in cash and prizes Lovely. and a new car. So I that set up my writing career. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, guess so. I, I, I was about yeah, was sitting about in tall to, cotton. Yeah, I was about to turn them down, and then a guy called me. Uh, whose name was Dan Petrie Jr., who was an aspiring agent at the time. He said, you know, these are working girls. You know, you ought to, you know. And, and so he got me $100. Oh, big <laughs> money. Big time. In the big you time. Know, so, so it just, so the, the screenplay stuff kind of took off from there. I would get options on things. Um, Jack, I, my closest thing Jack ever did for me was I had a story called Texas Rising, which was about uh, a guy who was like Ted Turner, except he had uh, a thing in Houston, Texas, and he also owned the Houston Oilers, and the Houston Oilers and the Dallas Cowboys were going to play each other in the Super Bowl for the first time, and Texas gets all, you know, uppity. And uh, <laughs> and so he... he Jack sent it over to uh, to Clint Eastwood, you know, in El Paso. And Clint's partner at the time was Fritz Mains. Well, somebody, some dummy in at ICM in the, uh, you know, the clerk or whatever, made a copy and messed up the pages. Mm. And so they sent it back. And, uh, and, I, and I said, well, let's just, I'll take, I'll take a good one over to him. You know, and Jack says, "Nah, you don't understand. You get one shot." And, uh, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And then later, that same property was uh, picked up by a guy named James Nelson. Jimmy Nelson, who was a, a really, really cool guy. His dad, Sam Nelson, had been big in the business, and uh, Jim was producing Borderline. Mm-hmm. With Charles Bronson and Ed Harris's first movie, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, Jim liked that Texas Rising thing, and he he got together a guy named Don Cambern, real famous movie editor, uh, you know, who did Easy Rider and many many other things, 
and they tried to get different people to do it. And I thought Robert Redford was going to do it, and then he did Milagro Beanfield War instead, starring Great movie. a movie. Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, start. Great start, book. Awesome book. Yeah, very good. Book. Great yeah, trilogy. Starting, a friend of mine named Chick Venera was starring in it. And then they tried to get Burt Reynolds to play the guy, and Burt didn't want to do it. And then Michael Douglas offered me a, a deal through Jim Nelson. And uh, Jim turned down the deal. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he said, yeah, he only offered you $50,000 right to, to write the script. Mm. And it, it was this long treatment. And I said, well, I'll take it. I don't care. Hell, I'd take $10,000. You know, mm -hmm. Michael Douglas, come on. And he said, no, write the whole script, and then he'll give you 100000 <laughs> And so before I could write the whole script, Michael came across this property everybody in town was trying to get called Romancing the Stone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so I was bullhooky out of little pucky out of luck right there man you know wow so you know so you know that's kind of you know i had other scripts and stuff and i'd pitch things to richard donner and oh, all these other don people dicker. huh don dicker there you go no yeah so i uh you know I, I i sold scripts and stuff and you know they didn't get made and um you know, I was the editor of an entertainment magazine in Los Angeles for Which about one? a year called Entertainment Monthly. Hmm. You know, put a lot of people on the cover, like Bob Hope and other people. And, mm -hmm. You know, and so I was, I was spread, I was spread too thin. I was trying to be an actor, being a musician, being a playwright, being a screenwriter, and all that stuff. Also and the, a playboy and a jiggle. Yeah, you just didn't know yeah, what you I mean, wanted to be when you grow up. <laughs> yeah, and I still don't. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I hear you. Harry's <laughs> yeah. still that way. That's right. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the the big turnaround for me was uh, in 1989. I was going to play Harry Chapin, uh, yeah. in the yeah. taxi. In the in the movie of his life, and then the movie didn't happen, you know, my luck. And and uh, but I met somebody in New York City the night I got the part, and then six months later we were married. And a year later we had a kid, and uh, I had a big corporate job doing media, and then I was out of that job because the guy was crooked, and I helped send him to prison. <laughs> This is a typical I, Hollywood story we're yeah, hearing here. There you, and that's it, you know. And so I, so I was then I was a Mister Mom. My wife had a job, you know, after her pregnancy leave, and and I, I ended up writing books, you know, after that. And I've pretty much written books ever since. Although I've dabbled a little bit with screenplays, and I've sold a whole bunch of books, you know. So you done pretty good. Yeah. You know, so you know, made a living, made a living uh, in this crazy business. Paid the bills. Adult life, you know. So. Yeah. Well, you know, one one of the things that you did, you sold a comic book series, Boris Karloff presents to Dark Horse as a hardback, and that impressed me because Dark Horse is noted for the comic books, not their hardbacks. Yeah. Well, that you want to hear that story? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So I'm, you know, I'm I'm an internet freak, 
you know, I guess, you know. And I'm always looking around and stuff. So one, you know, and I am still to this day impressed by things that were a big deal to me as a country kid in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. So one one day I come across a website that Sarah Karloff had. And it's, it's she's got all these comic books. And I so I sent her an email. I say, you know, hey, that'd make a good TV series. You know, have you ever thought about that? And she's like, well, yeah, hell yes, I've thought about that. You know, <laughs> but I don't tell anybody about it. So I went out to Palm Springs and picked up a bunch of them and started talking to people. And uh, I, yeah, I hook up with uh, Mike Richardson, who runs Dark Horse, and another guy. Uh, first, first it was uh, Rasha Drafinich, which who does Forty Four Blue reality shows. So he was he, he was going to do it, and then it, it didn't work out. Then Mike Richardson loved the idea of a TV series with a, an artificial intelligence, an AI guy. Uh, of Boris Karloff and somebody doing Boris's voice uh, opening and closing each show with the, each uh, episode of, from one of the comics, right? So he tried to sell it. Universal Universal didn't go for it. They probably would these days because AI is so much further along. Yeah. Uh, and then, but Mike says, okay, well, we'll just reissue the comic books. And I'm like, hey, great. And then I, I kind of went off doing other things. I forgot about it. I, you know, in, in the meeting, it was me and Sarah Karloff and Mike. And then, uh, you know, a year later, somebody says, hey, you know those comic books you're talking about? They came out in books. And I, I went, they did. And so <laughs> I looked it up. And there were eight books. Wow. And so and Sarah didn't give me any credit in the books. Didn't give me any money, you know. I was a hand- <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood, you know. And so, you know, I, you know, what? Good God! And then, uh, then I call Mike, and Mike says, "Oh Jesus, I can't believe she did that." And he sends me the book, so you know, I got the book published, you know. So, <laughs> well, you know, that's this was kind of like the beginning of the graphic novels, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's a- we're going to go ahead and take our first break here. We're going to take off first break. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you, you do. Bunker does I Boris did, pretty doggone good. I did the stomp. Boris stomp. I'm not even going to try. Go uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, we're going to take our first break here on Abel Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker of France. Todd Roberts with you from the White Stallion Ranch. Be right back. Let's impress our guest. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. 
that's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You don't have to kill a fella every time you shoot a gun. I mean, shoot at a, at a target. Got a gun out, Tony? Yeah. You hear? Now, where'd you get that watch charm? Hey, nurse that a while, it might grow up. Will it shoot? No, I never tried it. This is the Voices of the West. on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. And uh, our guest is Skip Press. He is a best-selling writer, editor, screenwriter, mentor, marketing, and media consultant. Does everything. He, he's a, a jack-of-all-trades. Um, as a screen... What is, what is it about screenwriting? That seems to be really difficult. Uh, and I, I don't know if it is. I've never tried. But it... I have. Screenwriters just don't get the mentions that lots of other people on the crew or, you know, whatever. Uh, they don't get a lot Without of... Without the words, you don't have anything. Well, that's what I think, you know, but well, you have a silent movie. <laughs> Even the silent movies have a screenplay. Well, okay. There you go. So what about that, Skip? Well, you know, um, there was a famous producer who said, the, in the golden age of Hollywood, the, the screenwriter is the only absolute essential element in town, and he must never find out. Yes. <laughs> well, you look back at the old studio system, and they would have four or five of the top best-selling writers in the country working on the same script. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, I, I, it's really funny, the history of screenwriting, I wrote The Complete Idiot's Guide to Screenwriting, mm -hmm. right, it's been translated into Russian, it's been selling over there for 20 years, 
And the reason I wrote it, even though I hadn't had a feature film made, but I'd, I'd sold them, uh, was I looked at all the other books and I saw that the history of screenwriting was totally neglected. Like I had a whole chapter on uh, the women screenwriters oh. and even directors back in the early the silence, days. yeah. You know, and like uh, uh, one of them uh, was uh, the go-to writer for Cecil Beale to Mill. She was uh, Mary Pickford's uh, favorite writer, and she had sold more screenplays than anybody. Hmm. Are you familiar yeah. with B.M. Bauer? No, I'm not. She was she was a novelist. She wrote Western novels, Chip of the Flying U, but she later became a screenwriter and uh, also got into producing. And she's one of the early biggies of the silent women. Yeah, well, you know, what what was the first movie that made out here? You know, The Squaw Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, westerns were the thing, man. That's that's what they were all doing. One of my absolute favorite movies uh, starred uh, Jeff Bridges. is called Hearts of the West. Good, I don't know. good. Yes, and Jeff Alan Arkin. Yeah, Alan Arkin. Fantastic movie. And Gwyneth Paltrow. And Andy Griffin, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. what a great movie, man. And, you know, so, so what is it so, about that particular movie? Is it the, is it how it's acted out or is it, in fact, the writing and the, everything then? Okay. Well, it's great writing, but it's great. It's fantastic acting. I mean, Alan Arkin mm -hmm. and, and Jeff Bridges is kind of, it, it, but it's also, you know what it is? It's, he starts out, he's an Iowa farm boy, and he wants to be a great Western writer. Mm -hmm. And he, he stumbles, he comes out to a, a bogus great Western writer school uh, in Nevada, mm -hmm. which is a total sham. And he ends up running off with their money, and they follow him to Hollywood, you know, in case anybody's not seen it. But, uh, you know, that's, 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 that was so many uh, kids... Uh, when I was a kid, you know, it was, it, maybe they didn't want to write great westerns. I mean, I did, maybe, hmm. yeah, but they, but they were just so inspired by the stories, mm -hmm. you know, because the, the, the heroes were clear, uh, the villains were clear, uh, the girls were pretty, yes. and there was lots of action, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I well, think, I think it's, I think it's the theme, you know. And you know, we we never talk about it or seldom, but. Besides the writers and stuff, and it's the editors. You take, you can shoot a great movie. Sure, the film editor. If you editor. have a bad editor, mm -hmm. nobody will ever know that it was. Look at all the great movies that, you know, have been shot, and you, you go back and you read, mm -hmm. and this the scenes were left out. Or you got the Sam Peckinpah's whole career is pretty much based around the studios messing with his work. Yeah, well, sometimes the book is better than the movie, though. Really? Oh, I love the books. Todd Roberts, get in there. Well, I, you know what's, I think what Skip brings to this, well, our show today, but the discussion in general is, you know, that um, passion without the, uh, there's passion and there's humor and there's irreverence, but without the screenwriter, you know, everybody just be sitting around staring at each other, which is what they do most days. But anyway, totally. I think on the set, you know, um, and you give life to the actor um, and you give inspiration to the director and money give, to the producer shall I say 
insight to the cinematographer. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, there has to be a challenge skip for you at some point. Is it the first, the first letters on the page, or is it you level off in the middle, or when you're trying to close it out and finish the script? Where, where do you find that stumbling block most often? Well, you know, Steve Allen of all people said you got to start a story where it starts. <clears throat> so there's really something that sets the thing off. The old screenwriters call the first act the setup. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like something happens and that sets things up. You know, it's like the whole story is going to, um, you know, unfold from there. <clears throat> and uh, uh, the guy I mentioned before, uh, Dan Petrie Jr., went on to write uh, Beverly Hills Cop, among other things, and he was the president of the Writers Guild West uh, twice. And when Dan first got out of trying to be an agent, he had an office in the Writers Building on Little Santa Monica Boulevard in Beverly Hills, and down the hall was Billy Wilder. And sometimes Billy Wilder would, would come and pace the hall because he was having trouble with the third act, and he's like, I just can't get the third act right, you know. And inevitably, he would realize there was something in the first act that was missing it was kind of like the cornerstone the linchpin for the whole thing and he'd get that fixed and then the whole script would work out you know like and, and so it's it's really getting getting the start of the story right uh is 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 what is most crucial and it's what people uh, well, you know, I fix scripts for people. It's particularly beginning screenwriters. It's something they don't quite get, no matter how many movies they've seen. You know, and so <clears throat> I'm just like, you know, okay, what's the what's the thing about? All right, well, what sets that off? And then they're kind of like, oh, okay, oh yeah, okay, you know, yeah, there's a there's a train wreck. You know, uh, uh, somebody gets shot on the highway and, and the car drives away. You know, and somebody's got to solve the murder. You know, like Fargo. Fargo is really kind of a western. Oh, beautiful movie! <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's you're, great. You're, you're, that is so true because it's like dominoes. You set the first domino up, and you got to set the second one up, and then the third one, or else if you if you try and do it, skip those middle parts, uh, you, your dominoes don't fall. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's the way it works, man. You know, and and the. Uh, you know that you know you can have great dialogue. A lot of people in the early '30s and from Hollywood would come out from oh, Broadway. What's some great writing. you know, you know, and so Ben Hecht, people like that, and so they'd really get snappy dialogue and everything. But they'd still, you know, if you got a stage play, the audience has to be engaged from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's that kind of mentality, and that's that's the biggest thing to learn is to. Just really get it, somebody engaged from the beginning. You know, there's a whole Hollywood thing uh, format. Get the hero up a tree, throw rocks at him, and keep throwing <laughs> rocks at him. Well, you know, you got me thinking. You know, it's like the road movies with uh, Hope and Crosby. It's the patter, but you got you got to you got to have something that sets it off. Yeah, well, absolutely. And Dick Powell, uh, Dick Powell was good at that, and. and 
uh, in the detective movies. Oh, yeah. uh, the the banter. Well, in Zane Grey Theater, well, that he produced. I'll tell well. you some good. I'll tell you some good banter in Johnny Dangerously between uh, Michael Keaton and um, the redhead from Taxi, uh, Mary Lou Henner. Yes, great yep. banter. Mary Lou Henner. Great banter. It's a really funny movie too. Well, tell me, uh, Skip, it's a very funny film. There's a movie that I, I really love because it's the early days of Hollywood. Nickelodeon. What do you think of Nickelodeon? Because it's about writers, producers, stuntmen, actors. It covers the whole field. I, you know, I, to me, it's like it's like uh, Hearts of the West. I uh, just love the period. Yeah. You know, I I, I love the uh, anything like when. You know, singing in the rain. Oh, uh, singing in the rain is when talkies first came in. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was a it was a. I think it was not. Maybe it was as cutthroat as it is now, but but it was it was innocence, and uh, it, it was a you know just a panoply of uh, all kinds of stuff that people love, and uh, and there was an enthusiasm for life. Oh, Gene uh, Kelly's and, enthusiasm in that movie and the choreography that he created for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so, you know. Skip, you, please tell us the story about the Bob Wills movie that never happened because we love Bob Wills on this show. Mm-hmm. We play Bob Wills on this mm-hmm. show. Yep. Oh, man, you know, Bob Wills at one point was selling more records than Bing Crosby when Bob Wills died. 3,000 crying women came to his funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Deep within my heart lies the melody. You know, so so Jim Nelson, you know, I told you about earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, who made Borderline uh, with Charlie Bronson. Uh, Jim got the rights to Bob Will's story from, I think, Betty Wills was his widow. And, uh, and so, and I thought, wow, and Jack Nicholson wanted to do it. So I thought, well, that's an easy thing. And he said, no, I didn't. And I said, why not? I mean, surely they, somebody would fund it. And, and he said, Jack will only do it if Tom McGuane writes the screenplay. <laughs> and Tom McGuane, you know, he's had something, but he wrote some not so great stuff but Tom McGuane was married to Margot Kidder it wasn't long after she was in the Superman movie so they were you know Hollywood royalty at the time and Tom wanted $250,000 to start writing and Jim didn't have $250,000 to give him and he didn't have a studio that was going to give him that because they were they would have been like, well, let's see the script. Well, Jack wants to do it. Well, then let Jack put up the money. Then, <laughs> then we'll see. And Jack was like, hell no, I'm not putting up the money. But if Tom McGuane writes it, so he so you know Jim was left left in in the dust, you know, and it just never got made, which is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you know. It's, <coughs> hang on, we got to take a, oh. our next commercial break here. Oh, yeah, right. I know it's it. This stuff happens, man, every couple minutes. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. 
Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. We'll Can be you back. Can imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business. Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Howdy, folks. This is Ray Benson of Asleep at the Wheel, and you're listening to the Voices of the West, of which I am one. Back on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. Our guest is uh, Skip Press. He's a screenwriter, regular kind of writer, writer guy, <laughs> a mentor, and a marketing and media consultant. And from Anna, Texas. And you, from, yeah, exactly, a true Texan there. Yeah. Uh, where do we? Where want? is Anna? I, my, my mom was from Lubbock, but I I can't remember Anna. It must have been a 30, 35 miles north of Dallas. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Just won the state. So champion. tell us about when you. Yeah. Skip, tell us about when you met Ben Johnson, John oh. John Russell, Johnny Crawford, and Richard Farnsworth. Oh, my God, man! Wow, Ben Johnson, what a guy, mm. man! Uncle Ben. I, I had uh, I had a script called uh, Walking After Midnight, and a guy named uh, <clears throat> Tom Bronson wanted to uh, produce it, and Tom was kind of uh, Ben was sort of an adopted uncle, right? Tom was Tom was working for Ed Gaylord, uh, and. Uh, Ed Gaylord, you know, Grand Ole Opry, Opryland, all that sort of stuff, and uh, they had a production company in uh, in Beverly Hills, and uh, they optioned three young adult novels that I had published, and it was supposed to be a series on the Nashville Network, and then Tom decided he was gonna he was the president of the company. He decided he was gonna fund. A whole movie, I think it was eight seconds, you know, about the bull rider, and oh, and yeah. uh, Lane, Lane Frost. Frost. Lane yeah, Lane Frost. Frost. Yeah, and uh, and so Tom Tom wrote a check for a movie. Might not have been in that one. It might have been another one. And so Ed 
did had not given him the okay to do that. <laughs> 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 so he fired him. Oops. He fired him, and so Tom starts Tom starts hanging around with me, and trying Oops. to find a project. And he liked my Walking After Midnight script, which is set in a little diner in uh, Gallup, New Mexico. And uh, you know, Ben lived in uh, in, in Arizona, and so uh, Ben's in town for something, and I go meet Ben and hang out with him, and. Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought we were going to do it. I thought Reba McIntyre was going to play the girl, and and then uh, it it just didn't work out, you know. But uh, because and Tom later ran out of money and hung himself, which was horrible. Hmm. Uh, uh, you know, it's, but Ben liked it, and I thought, oh my God, you know, Sam the Lion from the Last Picture Show, mm-hmm. my God. You know, he's among many other things. He's he's going to be in a, in my movie, and you know, that's you know, there's too many things like that have happened to me along this line yeah. of movie Hollywood. But you know, Ben was fantastic. The other guys, um, Johnny Crawford, I met when he brought an orchestra. I, I helped put together the Hollywood Film Festival, which ran for a few years. And, you know, it was me and a guy named Carlos Brew, And uh, Johnny, you know, we had the second year, we had it at the Merv Griffin Hotel. And I look at the stage as we're setting it up, and there's Johnny Crawford with his with his orchestra. And, oh, you know, he sang all the 20s man. stuff, you know. And I just had to go introduce myself to him because I was in total awe. You know, you know, and Lucas McCain's boy. Yeah. And yeah. Mark. And he was, you know, then I got to know Johnny a little bit. He was just one fantastic person, you know. Uh, Richard Farnsworth, John Russell, 1986, I made, I co-produced and wrote a how-to video called A Woman's Guide to Firearms. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. It had uh, Lee Purcell in it and uh, Jeffrey Lewis, you know, Clint Eastwood's sidekick in all those movies. And... Um, Gerald McCurry. And it was... Yeah. And Ger- yeah. Uh, Gerald McCurry. Yeah. Marissa Gerald. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, we had a bunch, a bunch of people. We got a good write-up in People Magazine. We won a silver medal at New York International Film Festival. And so we have a, a party, a sort of a premiere party. We didn't show the film or anything, but it was a celebration at uh, Scandia on Sunset Strip. And I walk in, and my God, all these Western heroes are there. You know, <laughs> Richard Farnsworth, John Russell, mm. wow. two or three others. And I just, I was just dumbstruck. I could barely <laughs> say hello to them. Did you, you know, I was. Holy shit, the lawman. <laughs> did you ever go to any of the uh, Golden Boot Awards? No, I never did. Oh, you I missed had. something wonderful. I wish I had, man. I'll tell you I'll tell you another story of total adoration. I was uh, I was editing Entertainment Monthly and Merle Haggard decides to open up his own club to compete with the Palomino. Mm-hmm. And it was in North Hollywood. It's called Hag's Place. Mm-hmm. So I go to the opening, and everybody that you could think of was there, you know. Mm-hmm. And and when I walk in, uh, the door in this sort of round booth that you sit in, 
there was Roy and Dale oh, holding Lord. court. Wow. I could not oh. even introduce myself to them. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> Glenn, Glenn Campbell I talked to, you know, Marty Robbins I talked to, Merle Haggard, you know, I talked to all those guys, but I just could not bring myself to talk to Roy and Dale, man. Royalty. You know? Royalty. That's, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so Skip, when you do a screen uh, a screenplay, um, just as with all, as you have your book, it, it's in manuscript form. What protections do you have, uh, or do you get protections when you send that script off to a potential producer or a potential publisher? Pirates. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, who, who's to say they don't steal your stuff? And I, I imagine they do sometimes. They do. Well, you know, I tell people to copyright their scripts. They think, you know, if they register it with the WGA, that, that covers them. kind of does. But if you ever have to go to court, unless they change the rules, uh, you, you pull the registration and then the registration ends. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, uh, copyright lasts basically two lifetimes, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, but with anytime you send anything to anybody... You need proof of access, mm-hmm. which means you you send them send it a PDF via an, an email, which happens more often than not these days. You better save the email with full headers, mm-hmm. all those little things that you can you don't normally see, but they're they're there and you can turn them on, and it shows the time, the date, the path, everything. Right? Mm-hmm. Used used to be that you would uh, you know that's why you'd have an agent or a lawyer send a letter. And they've got record of the letter, so you've got somebody else showing showing what happened, uh, you know. But it's it, it's you just have to prove access. You have to prove that somehow that person who got that movie made had access to your material. Everything's got to be registered mail almost. Well, you, that, that sort of. But if sometimes if you send something registered mail, people get a little spooked. Yeah, that's and, true too. Right, you know, turn off. Yeah, a little tired, but you could send it, uh, you know, two or three day mail, you know, whatever that that one is, and, and then they, uh, the post office notes when it was delivered. Mm-hmm. You'll actually mm-hmm. check it via mm-hmm. on the website. Yeah, yeah it's better you now. Know? Yeah. Hey, tell me yeah. something. So, Skip, we oh. have a we, we we see here that you uh, have a story about Dennis Quaid trying to make the Spade Cooley movie. Now, we don't yeah, love I mean, Spade as much as we love Bob Wells, but we like him an awful lot. Yeah. Spade, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a script one time called Street Song, and uh, which Jack Gilardi wanted to give to an actor he represented. He said he's really good, you know, and, and he also plays and sings and stuff. And I and and I at that point I thought you know I want to star in this because you know I was playing music and and I figured if Sly Stallone can make Rocky. I was an idiot, and I said, well, "Who is this guy, Jack?" And he says, "It's Jeff Bridges. He's the son of Lloyd Bridges." I said, "Oh yeah," he said. I used to watch Sea Hunt. No, I think I, I I want to try to do it myself. <laughs> so then a few a few years of complete failure go by on that script, and I'm I'm dating a guy named Tracy Swope, who is uh, the second Banana Girl in a Rick Springfield movie, 
And Tracy reads the script and she loves it. And she says, you know, I know a guy from Texas. He does everything. He sings, he dances, he's really good looking. All the girls love it. He'd be perfect for the script. I want to give it to him. And I said, who is it? And she said, it's a guy named Dennis Quaid. And I said, that's a weird name. And no, I think, I, I think I'd like to try to do it myself. So, oh, it could have been uh, Randy so, Quaid, you know. <laughs> meanwhile, you know, and Dennis makes the Jerry Lee Lewis movie. Mm -hmm. And my friend Lisa Blount is in it, plays Renona Wider's mother. And, uh, and I tell Lisa about this, maybe you could get it to Dennis, and she said, oh, I think it's a little past that, you know. <laughs> and, and then I run into Dennis, and he's playing at a club in Hollywood. He'd play with his band before he moved back to Texas or something. And, uh, and so I run into Dennis, and I tell him this whole big, long story, and he's laughing his butt off. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, what are, what are you doing now? You know, and he says, well, I'm going to make a movie about Spade Gooley. And I said, <laughs> you know, and I tell him the Bob Wills story. And I said, I hope you have better luck than Jimmy did with Bob Wills. And he said, yeah, well, you know, there's some I, there's some sort of drawbacks. i got to fight through. I think I can get it done. And I, I said, you mean like uh, Spade being a murderer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was only his wife. Yeah, well, only his wife. But, yeah. hell, he was a great musician. <laughs> yeah. yeah and hey, he he's said, got yeah, cocaine in it. How can it fail? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Dennis wasn't too happy to hear that. But I said, you know, so it's, you know, there's always a catch. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to take our... He's a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. We're going to take our final commercial break here on Abel Francis' no, Voice to the West. I know. Skip Press is our guest. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France. Todd Roberts with you from the White Stallion Ranch. we be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management where we manage money for gun owners. When people turn 50, something miraculous happens. They start to get serious about retirement planning. They've done very well so far and want to be certain they power into the retirement they've earned. Let me guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Ed Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. 
Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. I tell you, I'm not going to stand for it. I'm not going to raise a lot of horses to have these outlaws right away on them. I'm going to find gonna out. They're going to stop yelling at me, Hank Jameson, and give me some help. I've told you a hundred times. I'm a sheriff, not a whole posse. This is the Voices of the West. We are back on Amo Franzi's The Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. Uh, a little bit of Hawaiian cowboy there. Al Kialoha and his singing surf riders. <laughs> paying, paying homage to our, our Hawaiian cowboys there. Indeed. All right, our guest is uh, Skip Press, and uh, he's a best selling writer, editor, screenwriter, mentor, marketing, and media consultant. Bunker de France has a question. I've been waiting this whole show just to ask this question, Skip. <laughs> After Elvis passed, I understand you answered Elvis letters for Priscilla Presley. Now, did you sign those letters, love Priscilla? <laughs> no. <laughs> she, she, I had to do a word processing machine at the time, you know, that few people had something like that. I had access to one. And so I, she would she would tell me basically what to answer, and, and I would make up the answers. I'd take them to her. And she'd sign them, and if she thought, no, you got to improve this, and I'd, I'd go run it through the word processor and give her a new one, and she'd sign that. <laughs> so, you know, but Priscilla, boy. I'm, I'm was, so glad. I, I was afraid maybe you were answering them, love Priscilla, and then putting a lipstick <laughs> But yeah. thank God you <laughs> I think my, my, my mouth would have been a little too big. On <laughs> they wouldn't have been fooled. They would have been, gosh, Priscilla's got this huge mouth. <laughs> So what did what were you going to say about Priscilla? Priscilla, you know, I, you know, I quit working for Priscilla because Priscilla at the time had a boyfriend she's having trouble with, and her, our mutual friend Spanky Taylor, who introduced me to her, came to me 
and and said, you know, Priscilla's having a real problem. I said, well, no wonder I can't get through to her. She's not answering her phone. And she said, yeah, her boyfriend hit her. And so Ooh. Priscilla and I were both in Scientology at the time, right? And then Spanky says, you know, she needs a real good Scientologist boyfriend like you, Skip. Ooh. And I just went, oh, my God. You know, I saw the, the newspaper <laughs> headline, yeah. Press, not quite Presley, you know, and I'm trying to make as a musician and a little acting. So I write Priscilla this really incredibly stupid letter and said, I got to quit because I really like you. You really like me. I might fall in love with you. You might fall in love with me or both of us. It might happen. And I just don't think it'd be the right thing. You know, and so I didn't see I, I didn't hear from her for about two or three years. I run into her at the Celebrity Center and I go, oh, hi, hi Priscilla. She wouldn't say anything to me. She just got this frown on her face. I said, hey, Priscilla, it's me, Skip Press. She goes, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, want, no, I got another question for you. You wrote a book, The Importance of Mark Twain. Yeah. And I not, I noticed uh, in looking stuff up on you, he, he was very important to you. Yeah, Jason Mark Twain. Yeah, well, if you read Jason Mark Twain on Substack, then you know why it was important to me. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, that's a long story. That's another show, maybe. You know? Okay, you're booked. Yeah, no, great, great author, um, great inspiration for a lot of people. Skip Press, in the short amount of time we have left, the most important question that we have today is Yes. What is your favorite Western? Oh man! Oh, westerns. <laughs> oh man! Uh-huh. Uh huh. One time I tried to make a movie written by Bill Kelly. I got to rewrite it a little bit. Bill Kelly wrote for Gunsmoke and uh-huh. uh, Witness. He got an Academy Award for Witness. He's one of the writers, and he wrote a, a comic western called Strayhorn. And uh, I sort of copped the ending of "She Wore a Yellow Ribbon," uh, and. Uh, and, and sort of tagged that onto Bill, a, a similar story, a similar scene under the end of Strayhorn by Bill Kelly. Uh, got close to getting somebody to produce it, you know. Uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, Kevin Sorbo wanted to do it, you know, but it, it cost too much. But anyway, so I, I, I think it's she wore a yellow ribbon, really. Okay. You know? That's good. Uh, oh. seventy three. I love Winchester seventy three. Yep. Jimmy Stewart yep. was my total movie hero. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, our so, show we do uh, skip is at the White Stallion Ranch, not Winchester seventy three. Yeah, they filmed it uh, yeah, just right up the road here. here. Yeah, up at the pass. Yep. Yeah, yeah I heard that. Right you know, pass. I, I'm thinking, yeah, I should find a woman, get married, and honeymoon at that. The White. Now Stallion you're Ranch. talking. Mm. Now you at see that. That's how it all works out. Well, it was all right, still it, around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so all, all, those, all those good-looking Arizona women out there, I'm there, single. There you go. All right, now, and the about a final minute that we got left here, uh, shameless promotion, what you got going? Uh, right now, I'm going to write the last episode of uh, Chasing Mark Twain soon. I'm uh, helping some people with some books, and then I'm going to get into a, a, a rewrite of novel of mine, that was almost published a long time ago. I parked it. Now I'm going to rewrite it. And it's going to be about bad guys in Hollywood now and a serial killer. And it's going to be funny, too. And it's called Hollywood Must Die. Ooh. Cool. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. 
I'm going to have yeah, to. Yeah, so I'm going to try to finish that in the next couple of months. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, may ha- I may have to consult you. I've been writing a book for the past 20 years, and it ain't going nowhere. But uh, he's, he's on, he's on uh, uh, chapter one. Yeah, it's histor- uh, first line. Historical, not really. Uh, historical uh, fiction, but, you know, that's a time for another time. Hey, man, I'll, I'll be glad to help anybody with that. I help I help uh, people with books and screenplays and everything all the time. You know, I, as an editor, I'm on this thing called Readsy, R-E-E-D-S-Y, mm-hmm. and I've got 19 five-star reviews, wow. you know, so, right. so you know, Most I help yeah, All right, so, yeah. Skip Press, thank you much for joining us this afternoon. It's been a pleasure, man. Enjoy it's been a lot the of fun. And Thanks so much. I'm, I'm honored to talk with you. All right, thank you. 78, 79, 80 O's or 80 rewrites to you. <laughs> so long, everybody. We'll talk at you next week on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Thank you.